0: I had a jacket on for first service, but um, I'm not going to wear it with a wet uh, sleeve, so you get the no-jacket look. Um, I guess if I, had, if I had more faith, I wouldn't have taken the waders off. Uh, that'd be another way of looking at it. Some of you will get that later, I guess. Um, in J.R.R. Tolkien's masterpiece, The Fellowship of the Ring, Frodo asks, where shall I find courage? For that is what I chiefly need. And in this story, which has been entertaining people for 60 years, first in book form and then later uh, in a film, Frodo, this character, he finds courage in his his fellowship, in this group of nine who join him on this journey. And it's one uh, character in particular, his name is Samwise Gamgee, and he becomes Frodo's most constant companion throughout the story. And in fact, you could say Sam becomes that relentless source of encouragement to Frodo. Today we continue our series on the nine, your cloud of witnesses. And throughout this series, as we've said now for a few weeks, we are exploring biblical characters. We're looking at, at the men and women in scripture who embody for us what we're calling kind of a, a fellowship of sorts. You could call these your, your cloud nine relationships if you prefer that language. But these are, are individuals represented in God's word and they, they, these are relationships that we really feel like we need in order to thrive and so last week we really just dove in headfirst in this series and we started talking about jonathan we said that jonathan is the biblical character he embodies for us this this idea of a good friend Do you remember us talking about this we said that jonathan is is the friend that you read about in the scriptures and the proverbs where it says that there is one who sticks closer than a brother so we noted that covenant relationship that jonathan and david share with one another and so we said we're looking for the Jonathan. We're looking for the good friend, the soul friend, the covenant friend in our lives. But not just that, we're also taking each of these characters and we're we're applying it in a second fashion as well. We're not just looking for the Jonathan in our lives, but we're asking the question to whom can I be a Jonathan? To whom should I be a good friend, a covenant friend, a soul friend? And so we began the series last week talking about Jonathan, and now today we shift, we focus not on Jonathan, but we come down here to the other end of the spectrum, and and we focus on encouragement. We focus on the the question that, that Frodo poses, where shall I find courage? We are all in need of an encourager And so today, from God's word, we'll spend our time looking at and thinking about the biblical character of Barnabas. And our our tagline for Barnabas, the Barnabas in your life, male or female, the Barnabas in your life is the relentless encourager in your life. If you have a Bible and you want to open up to the book of Acts, feel free to do that. We will read several passages this morning from uh, the book of Acts as we talk about Barnabas. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can can kind of get ready. We'll be in Acts chapter 4 to begin here in just a moment. I want us to just walk through and look at what the scriptures have to say about this character, about Barnabas and his encouragement in our lives. So you can go ahead and and kind of be getting ready for that. Uh, First, a, a word about encouragement as well. To encourage, quite literally, to encourage is to put courage into another. To put courage into someone else. That's literally what it means to encourage. Etymologists trace the the words history back centuries, back to older words that mean, uh, in one form or another, that that mean to to make strong or to hearten. We know what it means to be disheartened, but encouragement technically is is kind of the opposite. It is to hearten someone. It is to pour heart into another person. Person. That's what encouragement is. And so, like Frodo, each of us needs courage. We need someone who will be a relentless source of encouragement for us. And that is where the Barnabas fits into our cloud of witnesses. At virtually every turn, every place that you find Barnabas in the scriptures, he is encouraging either an individual. Or an entire group of people. He's pouring himself into them. He is putting heart into these people. We'll look at these passages here from God's word today. So, Acts chapter 4, we begin here uh, in verses 36 and 37. This is the the word of God about Barnabas. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, was, uh, excuse me, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas which means son of encouragement, he sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. The story goes on from there, but let's focus just on what we can learn about Barnabas from these these two or three sentences. Barnabas is originally known as Joseph. That's his birth name. But he receives this nickname, this, this term of endearment. He's called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement from the first time we meet Barnabas, he is a leader in the church. He's a Levite, that of course being the, the tribe from which the priests came. But when those priests weren't operating and in, in performing their priestly functions, they also were scholars and teachers. And so in the pages of the gospel, we come across them often with the phrase, scribes and teachers of the law. Those are the Levites. And so Barnabas hails from this long, rich history of of religious leaders, we might say. And in this particular account, Joseph has a piece of property, but he, he understands that property, he holds on to it, we might say sort of loosely, he sells that piece of property, and here's what he does with the money, he takes it to the apostles, he lays it at their feet, so that they might use those funds for ministry. And it seems as if From this first encounter, this is where Barnabas receives his name, where Joseph, rather, receives his name as Barnabas. He is a son of encouragement because of his financial generosity, because he is so willing to give of himself, he is an encouragement to the believers. Last week, we talked a little bit, and I showed you a video clip of the worship assembly from the Southeast Church of Christ in Houston. And how they were so encouraged by your financial generosity a few weeks back, the special collection that we took up to help with the victims of Hurricane Harvey. And I like to think that that's a, a modern way that we're seeing this ancient kind of idea played out. In a very real way, brothers and sisters, you were a Barnabas to those believers in Houston. You were an encouragement to them through your financial gift. This kind of gospel-centered encouragement, this gospel-fueled sort of encouragement, it's just something of a habit for Barnabas. Uh, Another episode, so we'll scroll forward a couple of chapters in Acts chapter 9, you get to the conversion of Saul. You'll remember him. He's the persecutor of the Christians. He's dragging them from their homes. He's holding the cloaks there as Stephen is stoned. And so uh, we we have this this episode, this conversion, this this individual who is leading the charge against the Christians of his day. But through the good news of Jesus, his life is reoriented. He becomes a believer. He becomes a Christian. And not just that, he becomes arguably the greatest mouthpiece for the Christian faith that the world has ever known. But understandably, whenever that happens, the early church kind of says... I'm not sure about that. The early believers were thinking, okay, I'm just a little skeptical here. You mean to tell me that the one who was persecuting the Christian faith has now crossed over, and he's become one of us, and he wants to come into our assemblies, and he wants to worship with us, and he wants to preach to us. Would, would you have a problem with that? <laughs> At least until you knew Paul. You know, right now, he's not Paul. He's just that guy that used to kill Christians. In Acts chapter 9, we come across this encounter, this episode, where the early church is kind of crossing her arms and saying, I don't know about this guy. And you know what? They get a pass from me for that. Because if you and I had brothers and sisters in Christ who died at the hands of Paul, we might be a little skeptical too if the very person who took their lives were to walk into our assemblies. But thank goodness for Barnabas because Barnabas makes all the difference in the life of Paul. Acts chapter 9 verses 26 through 28 when he, he being Saul, after his conversion when he, Saul, came to Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he was really a disciple but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him And how in Damascus, listen to this, he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. That's the testimony of Barnabas about Saul. And then look, look what it says. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So Barnabas is generous both financially and relationally. Not only does he extend himself, giving of himself as he sells this field and gives the proceeds for ministry, he gives of himself when he puts himself on the line for paul's sake it's not a stretch to say that barnabas made all the difference in paul's life because without barnabas he never becomes paul without barnabas he never becomes paul the missionary without barnabas he never becomes paul the evangelist without barnabas he never becomes paul the author of most of our new testaments it doesn't happen without barnabas he remains saul That guy that used to kill Christians. That guy with the sketchy past. It's not a stretch to say Barnabas makes all the difference in Paul's life. So true to his nickname, Barnabas sees encouragement as just kind of second nature. There's another episode I'd like for us to look at from the book of Acts. Uh, And this is where the gospel message begins to spread throughout the region. And as it spreads, the leaders in Jerusalem say, Barnabas, we have a job for you. They dispatch him. They send him to Antioch to see what's going on and to report back to them. So Acts chapter 11 is where you find this. Let's Listen, this is another Barnabas episode. News of this, this being the spread of the gospel. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad, and then look at this, and he encouraged them, he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their heart. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas encourages the disciples to remain true. That's a really interesting phrase. It's a phrase that could also be translated not only remain true, but remain purposed, to remain intentional. That's what Barnabas says to them. His encouragement is remain true, remain purpose, remain intentional. That's what Barnabas is preaching to these individuals. Remember, Barnabas says, your God directed purpose. So in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word here for remain true. It's, it's found in the, in the Greek version of the Old Testament only in connection to the showbread the holy bread, the consecrated bread that was set out on those holy tables in the tabernacle. And the idea that I think what what Luke is trying to do, he's using that word and he's weaving that together. And I think what he's trying to say is that Barnabas is preaching and teaching these people and he's saying to them, don't forget that you too were set apart for the purposes of God. Remain true. Remember your God-ordained purpose. That is his word of encouragement to these believers here in acts chapter 11 one final place from the book of acts then we'll shift into applying some of this but one final passage that comes from acts chapter 15 and this is barnabas in conflict just because he's an encourager doesn't mean that he's immune to conflict conflict hits everybody we all have to figure out how to fight fair how to resolve conflict barnabas also has to do this but true to his name even in the midst of conflict Barnabas remains a relentless encourager look at this Acts 15 starting in verse 36 it says sometime later Paul said to Barnabas let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing Paul says, let's let's, let's put the reunion tour together. Let's go, let's go visit all these people. I hate just sitting around. And so Paul and Barnabas, they start talking this up, right? And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, wanted to take this young man with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Paul says, you deserted, you jumped, you bailed, so sorry, I'm not taking that kid with me. And they had such a sharp disagreement, the word says, that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas, and he left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Even when he and Paul disagreed, Barnabas stays true to his name as an encourager. Because he sees this as just another opportunity to encourage and mentor this younger follower who needs somebody to encourage him, to pour heart into him. That's Barnabas. We need a Barnabas. We need relentless encouragers in our lives. Because discouragement can be so powerful. Discouragement can be equally relentless, right? You know what discouragement is like. Discouragement is universal. Everyone on the planet struggles with discouragement from time to time. Discouragement and despair and disappointment, man, it can really just rob you of your joy. It can take away your hope. Have you ever been so discouraged that you just really couldn't, you couldn't find very much to put your hope in? That is a bleak and grim situation to find yourself in. And when you find yourself in a spot like that, if you've ever been there, then you know the next thing that happens is not, not only do you, you lose that sense of, of hope, but, but on top of that, that becomes like a, a breeding ground for cynicism. Become a negative person, that negative thought process we talked about a little bit this summer, it becomes kind of like a, a second nature for you as well, so you begin to see everything through that colored negative lens. And then worst of all, discouragement, ultimately, what Satan wants to do with discouragement is ultimately, ultimately, he wants to use that discouragement to cause me to question the very purpose and meaning of life. So discouragement can be powerful. One author says, discouragement makes the hard path much harder, and it makes the heavy load much heavier. And that's true. Life is hard enough on its own, isn't it? And you're burdened by discouragement can almost become unbearable. And I think that is one of the reasons that God is so insistent in in the Bible, why he's so insistent in his word, that his people should be a people of constant encouragement. Relentless encouragement. That is what God has to say to us in, in the Bible. You know, in our English translations, the word encourage is found in the book of Acts, listen to this, the word encourage is found in the book of Acts more than any other place in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? The book of Acts, which is the book about the church, it's about the the church's origins, it's about the nature of what happens when we come together, it is the story, it is the history of what's going on, what we're still doing even today. Isn't it telling that in that place, in that chronicle of what church life is all about, So much of what we aspire to be is found there. That in that place, God uses the word encourage more than any other place in the Bible. It's as if He's telegraphing this to us and saying, You want to know what the church is like? Let me paint a picture of relentless encouragement for you. That's who we are as God's people. And that's what leads God to say in 1 Thessalonians, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up the apostle paul gives us a, another way of defining encouragement it's not just encouragement, but it is also building one another up when you pour heart into someone else you're building them up when you come alongside them you're building them up when you offer that encouraging word to someone else you are building them up and, and the word says that should be sort of intrinsic to what we do when we come together so again the question is who is your barnabas And the second is like unto it, right? To whom are you called to be a Barnabas? You could argue that we need encouragement all the time. I would argue you can't have enough Barnabases. And we're not just talking about one individual. I mean, we'll take one, right? But, uh, you know, you could argue you, you could have 10, 20, 30 Barnabases. You could have so many people who are relentlessly encouraging you. But there are particular seasons in life. When we need a Barnabas, maybe more than at other times. Can you think of some times in your life when you really need encouragement? Here are a few that come to mind for me. You need a Barnabas when the shadow of your past threatens to darken your future. That's what we read about here with Barnabas and Paul. Paul needed a relentless encourager because the shadow of his past was threatening to darken his future. So we're back to that that moment when the believers are kind of sitting there cross-armed, and they're thinking, I'm not so sure about this Paul guy. And and Barnabas steps up, and he says, no, 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 I vouch for him. I've heard him preach, I've spent time with him, he's the real deal. And they're thinking, he killed so-and-so, do you remember who it is? And Barnabas says, yeah, I know, only God could change a life like that. You know, only Jesus could change a life like that. I'm telling you, it's faith-affirming to spend time around this guy because he is honest about the way he used to drag Christians out of their homes and kill them. And now, by the grace of Jesus, he's become, of all things, ambassador for the gospel. Barnabas says he's the real deal. You see, when everybody else looks at Paul, all they can see is his past. But when Barnabas looks at Paul, he sees his potential. Everybody else, all they want to focus on is what Paul has in the closet, all the things he's done in his past. And Barnabas says, man, a little bit of encouragement, the grace of God, imagine what the Lord could do with a guy like Paul. And that's what your Barnabas does. Your Barnabas encourages you. Your Barnabas becomes this conduit of God's grace into your life, speaking those words of of truth that you need to hear. Whenever Satan is trying to cast that long shadow and Satan's trying to take your past and use it to cast a long shadow into your future. Your Barnabas is the one who speaks those words of life that allow you to walk into the glorious future that God has in store for you. That's what Barnabas does. I have a friend, he and I were talking the other day, and he was describing another friend, a mutual friend of ours. And what he said I thought was just so powerful, and so I just loved it. Talking about this other guy, he said, when you've done something really really stupid you want to look up and see that guy walking toward you I thought I get it he went on to say he's the kind of guy who will sit right next to you when you're curled up in the fetal position and he won't judge you And he won't give you the kinds of advice that you really don't need to hear. He may not say a word, but he will sit there with you and he will love you through it. That's a Barnabas. That's the kind of person that we're talking about. A relentless source of encouragement when the dark shadow of your past threatens to overcome and and, and block out your future. In those times, We need someone, we need a Barnabas in our corner saying, your past need not define you. You can't get away from your past, you can't undo your past, you still have to live with the scars of your past, but that past need not define you. Because if the gospel of Jesus Christ can liberate and set free a religious terrorist like Paul, that's what he's doing, he's dragging people out of their homes and killing them for their religious beliefs. I don't know what you call that, I call it religious terrorism. God can take a person like that and turn them into the great ambassador for the gospel? You think you have anything in your life that he can't also redeem? Come on. It's the Barnabas, though, that reminds us of that. So maybe today, the shadow of your past is threatening to darken your future. I pray that you find a Barn. I pray that a Barnabas finds you and speaks those words of life to you. Another time we need a Barnabas. We need a Barnabas when we're tempted to lose sight of our purpose. Barnabas tells the believers in Antioch to remain purposed, to remain true to God's intentions for them. We can read between the lines there and assume that at least some of them were running the risk of losing sight of their purpose, losing sight of what God's intentions were for them. But it is the the exhortation and the encouragement of Barnabas that won't Let them do that. He says remain faithful. Remember, to encourage is to pour heart, to put heart into someone. And so encouragement, encouragement from our Barnabas is the remedy when we are tempted to lose heart. Can you think of how many times in the scriptures that phrase comes up? Do not lose heart. I can think of several times when Jesus says it, several places in the New Testament where that word is said as well. Don't lose heart. Your Barnabas is always there to say to you, you are more than you think you are. That those words come naturally to your Barnabas. Your Barnabas says God has a purpose for you and a purpose for your life. Your Barnabas won't let you give in to those destructive thought processes that plague us from time to time. Barnabas won't let you do that. In the the Hebrew letter right after we get in chapter 12 all of that about the the great cloud of witnesses then the hebrew writer says that cloud of witnesses is there to encourage us to run that race with perseverance so we can fix our eyes upon jesus and then he says in verse three the very next verse he says consider him him of course being jesus consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart So you put all that together, you just read it in context. The cloud of witnesses functions to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, but to this end, so that we would not throw in the towel, so that we would not grow weary and lose heart, because God knows that discouragement will do that to you. And so he gives us this cloud of witnesses, and in that cloud of witnesses, he gives us the Barnabas to give us this word of encouragement so that we would not lose heart your Barnabas is there to remind you of God's purposes for your life. When Satan has you discouraged, your Barnabas pours heart into you by saying you are more than you think you are. And when everyone else around you begins to take on that earthly perspective. Your Barnabas is the one who snaps you back to reality, not with an eternal perspective, but keeps things in an eternal perspective. Not an earthly perspective, but an eternal perspective. That's the gift of your Barnabas, because they're always pointing you to the purposes and the intentions of God, the truth of God. They're always pointing us in that direction. So if you're tempted to lose heart, just know that Barnabas calls you to remain true, that Barnabas calls you to remain purposed. And then finally, you need a Barnabas. If you find yourself in a season of conflict and a season of self-doubt, imagine just for a minute that you're John Mark. Uh, You uh, once accompanied Paul. And Barnabas on uh, on a missionary journey, and and for whatever reason you had to turn around, you know, for whatever reason you had to you had to go back home. Maybe someone was sick. Maybe some other things came up. Maybe maybe you just maybe you just grew weary and you lost heart. But for whatever reason you had to turn around and you had to go back. And then you hear that Barnabas and Paul are are, are putting it back together, and they're they're going to go out and they're going to embark on another missionary journey. And you think, okay this is my chance. This is an opportunity for redemption. This is what I've been waiting for. You know, put me in coach. I'm I'm ready to go and I'm ready to wipe the slate clean. And you are so excited until Paul says no. Until Paul puts his foot down and he says, sorry, burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. Sorry, kid, you're not going on on this trip. Imagine, he says those words to you. Imagine living with that. How would that make you feel? Would you ever get over that? I mean, only those of us with the thickest of skin could say, yeah, that wouldn't bother me. John Mark is right there in this moment, and one of the spiritual giants looks at him and says, you're not fit for ministry, not on this trip. And right at that moment where Satan might take that and twist it in John Mark's heart into something ugly and and painful, right at that moment, Barnabas stands up and says, wait a minute, not on my watch. Barnabas stands beside John Mark in that moment and he puts his arm around him and he says, well, he can come with me. I would love to have a transcript of that argument between Paul and Barnabas because Paul draws a line and says, I'm not going with that guy over my dead body. And Barnabas says, well, I'll tell you what, he can come with me. And they part ways. He's like You know, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, you know, they just part ways. And, and everybody begins to think, oh, no, but it actually ends up being a good thing because the gospel is shared in different places. But back to John Mark and this young man's heart. Barnabas looks at him and he sees again this opportunity where a man's past this young man's past might threaten to darken his future and he comes up and he puts his arm around him he says nope you're coming with me and can you imagine him looking at Paul and saying you of all people are going to do this to this young guy do you not remember what it was like when you were in that spot again I'd love to have the transcript right someday maybe in heaven but Barnabas comes alongside of him And he pours his heart into him. In Greek, the word encourage means to come alongside of. And that's exactly what Barnabas does. He encourages this young man. And I think it makes all the difference in John Mark's life. Just as it made all the difference in Paul's life, I think it made all the difference in John Mark's life. Because Barnabas in that moment said, look, I don't care what they all say about you. I don't care what your reasons were for leaving. I don't care what Paul says, I believe in you. And your Barnabas is the person, the man or the woman in your life who says, I believe in you. I saw a video recently of uh, some teachers in the Texas Texas, uh, school district. And the administrators wanted them to pick out a student or two and and pull them aside and and speak these words to, to say specifically to a student, I believe in you I see potential in you you got a good thing going and so they brought in camera crews and they gave the teachers these iPads and they filmed the students and so at first there's kind of this distance because the kids are like why are all these cameras here and why are you holding an iPad and it's just it's weird and it's all staged but then when the teacher gets into kind of the heart of what he or she is saying to the student mean it's, it's as if all that other stuff goes away and they show these teachers of these little elementary students and one by one the teacher is kind of talking and you see the video playing and, and and these little third grade students and first grade students are kind of sitting there and the teacher opens up and says i just see so much potential in you you are one of the reasons i get out of bed in the morning because i love being able to encourage you and teach you and that is one of the best things about my job and and i see a, such a future for you And you see these little these little ones they just start crying and they just start beaming from ear to ear. And then the teacher starts crying. And it's just a sweet, awesome moment with these young students who hear someone, an adult, say to them, I believe in you. But what I find really fascinating is then they bring in the high school teachers and some of the high school students who come in and they plop down and they've got their arms crossed and they're, they're kind of like, okay, what's the deal here? You know, they've reached that jaded age of 17, you know, where it's like they, they're they're so world weary and they're looking around like okay what's the angle here I don't know you know why do you have cameras and what you know what's this all about but even the ones with like the steel facade and the arms crossed the teacher says look I know all this is weird and all these cameras and I'm holding an iPad and this is all staged but you just need to know I think you're awesome they asked us to pick a kid I picked you because I believe in you and I think you're great And I think your future is as bright as you want it to be. And and again, so so these are like 17-year-olds, but still, it's the same sort of response. It takes a little longer, but eventually that steel kind of facade sort of melts, and then, you know, you got the big football jock, and he's crying because the coach picked him, and this girl's crying, her mascara's running because this biology teacher picked her. And it's all about those words, I believe in you, that Barnabas speaks into your life as a source of encouragement. who is your barnabas and to whom has god called you to be a barnabas we'll wrap up in just a minute we'll offer the invitation we'll sing our invitation song we'll close but before we get to that i want to ask you to do one thing with me here at the end of the aisle there right there in the in the center of the pew uh, you should see some of these little cards they're just white cards nothing special about it but a white card with this logo of the nine would you grab those if you happen to be seated close to those uh, and just take one, take two, you be mindful of how many people are on your row, but take a couple and pass them down to, to your, your uh, friends and neighbors, your pew mates. Um, I think we just invented a word. Pass them to your pew mates and uh, be mindful. There may be some behind you that don't have one or whatever, but I want to give you just about two minutes. We don't have long to do this, um, but I want to give you just a minute. It's great to preach about something and talk about something, and I've been talking and talking now for a while about encouragement, But I would like for us to end today, before we we do everything else to, to finish, I want to give you a minute to actually encourage someone. So would you take a minute and think about someone that you could write a little note of encouragement to? Or if you didn't get one of these cards, take your phone out. I know we don't encourage you to do that in church very often. This is one of the few times we'll encourage it. Take your phone out. Maybe you don't want to write a note. Maybe you don't don't know somebody's address or whatever, but you might want to shoot them a text message or an email or whatever, okay? But I just want to give you about two minutes, and I want you to think about someone who is a Barnabas in your life, okay? So someone who is a a source of relentless encouragement for you. The one thing that, that would stop them from being an encouragement, I think, would be if they were discouraged, if they never received encouragement from you. So maybe today you just want to take two minutes and write a little note to the the Barnabas in your life, the person who encourages you the most, or maybe this, maybe as we've been talking here, you've been thinking not so much about like your own Barnabas, but you've been thinking maybe maybe somebody's just been on your heart and you're thinking, there's someone that I, I need to try and be more like that. There's somebody I want to be a little more like that to them. So maybe today it's not about you writing to someone and saying thank you for being my Barnabas, but maybe it's just, maybe you need to write to someone, someone younger in your life, someone old, someone that you can say, I believe in you, I love you. Maybe as Charlie was saying a minute ago, maybe I forgive you. Maybe there's someone in your life waiting to hear those words. Can you, how encouraging would that be? I don't know who it would be rather than just talking about it, I want us to close with a couple of minutes of just reflecting and actually doing this. And if they're here today, while, during this, these two minutes, I've got a, a, a video that'll play to give you just some time to sort of write, and then we'll wrap up. But would you, when you're done, would you, go and, would you hand deliver that to somebody? And even if, even if they're here today, during the invitation song during first service, there were a couple of people crossing the aisles and handing notes to each other. And I just think, that's really cool. We need to do that more often, you know? Whatever the case might be, let's take a minute or two. And let's find a way to encourage someone else. Let's do that right now.
1: Give us a To the last, to the lost, to the least of these. Let us be Jesus today. To the last, to the To the last, to the
0: We all need encouragement in our lives discouragement can be so powerful but today we thank god for those that he puts in our lives the relentless encouragers and i hope and pray that what we've just done in these two minutes is a small offering it's a mustard seed but my prayer is that god would use that to build us up that we would be faithful to that word to encourage one another let's close with another word of encouragement i have one word of encouragement for you If you have not yet given your life over to Jesus Christ I encourage you to think about this moment that we have it was so moving to see Gracie give her life over to Jesus and I would love for us to continue to share in those same kinds of experiences together as a church family today so today the invitation of Christ is extended to any who are subject to his call can respond in so many different ways but a few of the ways that we always try to highlight around here you'll see the shepherds of your church throughout this building some are down front here some are in the back and some are in the balcony and they make themselves available if you need to respond to them for prayer for advice just to be present that's why they stand there week in and week out but today also jesus christ stands and he stands ready to receive any who would respond in faith as Gracie has, any who would respond to receive the lordship of Jesus, the forgiveness, the salvation, the remission of sin that comes through such a confession. If you've not done that yet, I encourage you today. Whatever the case might be, this is an opportunity for us. Let's stand together and let's sing our song.